Welcome to One to One, the conversational marketing podcast dedicated to helping modern marketing teams succeed in a messaging first and privacy first world. In each episode, we'll interview a marketer who is winning with conversational marketing to distill best practices, lessons learned, and actionable takeaways. Here's your host, Benji Baer, VP of Marketing at Spectrum. Hey, everyone. So today I'm speaking with Samir El-Kamouni, founder and chief growth officer at Fetch and Funnel. Samir, thanks for chatting with me today. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, before we get started, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background and the work that you're doing? Yeah, like you said, uh, founder and CEO of Fetch and Funnel. We really specialize in scaling e-commerce businesses. We definitely do a lot of lead gen and work with other clients, but we love to work with brands that are, are mission and purpose driven. I feel like that's sort of the future of the industry. And you know, you got to kind of stand for something, be able to do some storytelling. So those are the clients we love to work with. And actually the host of another podcast called Ecom Growth Leaders. So Yeah, I would potentially encourage others to check that out as well, because we're talking with really interesting e-commerce businesses, and I bet they can kind of get a lot of value that they're getting from your podcast. Nice. That's great. So how long has the podcast been running? It's only been running a few months. We're, yeah, up past like 25 episodes, I think, right now. Probably going to be upwards of like 20 live in the next couple of weeks. Talked with a lot of really interesting, a lot of really interesting brands. So, I mean, I've been in the marketing industry for... Upwards of close to like 10 years now, 10 plus years. I have a really awesome background and had really fortunate ability to work with a lot of different brands and even agencies over the years before I started Fetch and Funnel. And yeah, I just felt like it was a fun thing to leverage my network, you know, highlight some of our own clients selfishly, you know, and a great way to continue building my network too, right? Of just kind of reaching out to people. I'm sure you guys are, are doing the same thing. I mean, I, you know, I got to met, meet you here and, you know, we had an awesome conversation before the podcast. And yeah, so really enjoying it, but trying to talk with all different types of e-com businesses in the market. So, you know, large, small, you know, ton of repeat customers, no repeat customers, just you name it. So we, we're really getting a lot of different value from different founders and marketers and, and things like that. Just talking about completely different you know, things that they're going through, whatever struggles or wins or you know what have you. I think we're at interesting times in the e-com <laughs> digital marketing world. And so, yeah, just trying to, you know, I'm trying to soak up anything that I can learn from them, but also, you know, share as much knowledge with the audience as we can. Yeah, it's a great format for that. I feel like really just kind of getting things out of people or, you know, just through the conversation that you weren't expecting at all from the beginning. I know I had that on the last episode too. Uh, Sounds 25 episodes in a few months. It sounds like you've been very busy. So that's good. A lot of conversations, I'm sure. And I'm glad you could fit this one in. And also, yeah, I'd encourage anyone listening to go check out Ecom Growth Leaders as well. I'm sure there's a lot of value there that our audience would love to. You know, you mentioned you worked with a lot of different types of companies you're focused on like i want to touch base on that you know you said mission oriented is really your focus now can you talk to me a little bit about that why did you choose to zero in on kind of mission and purpose driven companies and what does that mean to you yeah i'd say it's slightly for selfish reasons but also because i think it's important for brands to differentiate themselves and be able to stand out in a crowded space 
my personal goals sort of make the world a better place. And how do you do that running an agency? <laughs> uh, right. And so if I'm scaling up brands that are making the world a better place, then cool. I'm sort of vicariously doing that through them. It's an interesting thing where, you know, it doesn't have to be inventing the next best solar panel, right? I mean, we've got one client that sells umbrellas and you can be like, well, how are his umbrellas making the world a better place? But you know, they offer a lifetime guarantee, you know, and they're like, they stay true to that. Like you will never buy another umbrella from these guys. And so, you know, and the average American throws away 15 umbrellas in their lifetime, right? And so you're saving umbrellas from landfills, right? That's a fun little kind of thing, right? And, and then they do other sort of environmental things. So again, I think it's just, we're in, Interesting times where there there is so much competition, right? You're, you know, maybe you have some supply chain issues, maybe you have some other issues that you have to deal with, right? And try to keep customers happy. And, you know, it's like the suitcase market is always such an interesting one to me. Like, how do these, you know, there's these no names that pop out of nowhere. I still am not convinced away has made a single, you know, profitable dollar yeah. <laughs> since they've come out. Right. And so that's like an interesting one where like I always love looking at up and coming suitcase brands, just like how are you differentiating yourself versus anybody else? Right. And yeah, you know, and some are kind of giving back and some are trying to do more environmental angles and, and different things like that. And so I think it's interesting, right? But I mean, and not to focus only on the environmental thing, but you even see Apple doing it, you know, front and center stage, right? Talking mm-hmm. about using recycled materials and aluminum and all that kind of stuff. But I think the other piece of it too is, you know, giving back, right? I think that's a big one that we're seeing a lot of brands doing too, right? It's like Tom's is a great example of that. Did Tom really make an amazing shoe? I don't know, but, you know, we kind of assume why people buy their stuff, right? Yeah, and I think it's just regardless of whether you are mission or purpose driven, you need to be doing good storytelling. And so I think when you do have a little bit of that sort of mission and purpose driven, it's much easier to tell your story, right? It's much easier for people to resonate with you, stand behind you, you know, become a customer advocate for your brand. And that's at the end of the day, what you want. So yeah, and, and selfishly, they're just fun brands to work with, right? Like the team gets rallied behind them. We all have a good time. We can come up with cool, unique marketing campaigns. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so I guess, is there a process for you where you hone in on like, you know, obviously every so many brands out there are trying to be mission and purpose driven. Do you have a way of separating the wheat from the chaff a little bit? Or how do you like choose who you work with? Or, you know, is there a particular story or approach to storytelling that you think resonates with kind of the type of brands you want to work with? I mean, we we do very in-depth analyses before someone comes on board, sort of during our sales process, but then even more in-depth when a new client comes on board. And in that process, when a new client comes on board, we're sort of obsessing on figuring out who their customer really is. Because I think a lot of brands have sort of preconceived notion of who their customer is, right? I think we could probably get into that a little bit with the conversational market. Who their customers, who they want their customers to be, right? (laughs) Yeah, who they want their customer to be, right? And so that comes with its own set of issues, right? Because you're potentially talking to the wrong person. Great examples of that from even big brands. But, you know, you have to understand who your customer is and then who's your ideal customer, right? Because then if you're sort of catering to every type of customer you've ever had, that's a big problem because you've had, you know, customers who are pretty much ready to dump you overnight. And then you have customers who are sort of your soulmate customers, right? Mm. And so you really have to be thinking about who you're marketing to there. But, you know, as we're going through that process, we're sort of obsessing over, yeah, who the customer is, what are their pain points, what's going on? And then does the brand 
speak to that, right? Are they solving those problems? Are they solving those issues? You know, and then sometimes some of the kind of mission things or, or some of the differentiators that brands, you know, are kind of putting out there is somewhat fluff, right? I think there's a lot of that going on, right? Like, I'm all for planting trees, don't get me wrong. But, you know, like, is one tree being planted from my, or, you know, it's like, again, that's awesome thing, but it doesn't differentiate you from another brand because everybody's sort of starting to do those things, right? Or yeah. sort of going carbon neutral in your shipping, or it's like, those are things that we should just be doing, period, right? Like that doesn't differentiate you. So I think that's sort of, it's not necessarily something that we're like trying to overanalyze for the client, but like, we'll tell them, hey, this is kind of fluff and this is not resonating with customers. And we have the survey data to back that up, um, yeah. right? Or, hey, this is awesome and this is something that is really resonating with people. We need to push this in the copy more. We need to get creative. We need to talk about doing videos around this. We need to get creative. We need to get customer testimonials talking about it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. I guess it makes a lot of sense to try to separate what feels intuitively to people more like boilerplate corporate social responsibility stuff from like things that are actually mission and purpose driven. I mean, can you walk me through, you know, you mentioned getting helping brands like really understanding who their their real customers are, who their their most loyal customers are. Do you have an example of a, like a B2C brand that you've worked with where you did that or just, you know, a case study in general that you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I mean, we have like a, a great client, you know, I think probably the point I made earlier probably resonates a bit with some people about like being careful about trying to preach to everybody we have this great client in Credaware who sells these sort of compression socks and sleeves and stuff like that. And it's literally the best product in the market, like period, bar none. Like LeBron James is wearing their stuff courtside, you name, you know, leaders in the UFC are using their stuff. Like all these huge, huge athletes are using their stuff. We can never use it in copy or anything because it's not sponsorships or anything like that. But that's just how good the product is. But it's easy to sort of be like, well, we've got 30-year-olds who are runners wearing this. We've got, you know, 40-year-olds doing getting into CrossFit using these products. You know, then we've got the 50-plus-year-olds who are just, you know, trying to live a normal life with pain-free. Like, And so there's this huge wide array of who uses these products. You know, what types of activities are they doing? What age groups? What genders? You name it. And so it becomes like an interesting one where we definitely have through our research and our surveys and everything like that, have identified definitely core audiences that we know perform great. And we need really specific creative to those audiences, right? Because like, a, is a 65-year-old going to really resonate with a 25-year-old testimonial saying how much they love the product? Like, eh, not so much, right? But if there's a testimonial video kind of mashup of a bunch of 60, 70-year-olds being like, oh, I, I can go about my day pain-free. This product's awesome, blah, blah, blah. That's going to resonate with you a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And vice versa. If you're sort of a 30-year-old who's just trying to get back into running really hard, you know, and your knee's kind of bothering you a little bit and you need this product, like, you know, so it's just about, you have to be careful. That's the biggest thing, right? And identify those core audiences that you know, hey, are performing really well. I think, honestly, conversational marketing is a great way to even get some of that survey data and, and mm -hmm. identify those types of things, right? Because no one wants to fill out a survey anymore, right? It's hard to get survey questionnaires back. If, you know, We'd certainly work with some smaller clients that they just don't have enough traffic to get you know, they don't have enough customers to be like, hey, this is statistically significant data to now make decisions based off. Right, right. right? And so 
I think using conversational marketing can be a great way to get that your own data to be able to find that out. Like, why are people buying my product? Why are people interested in my product? What pain points do they have? All that kind of stuff. And then as you start to see trends, right, then you're like, cool, you know, I should focus on a marketing campaign that targets this person. I know what their pain points are in Incrediware. It's literally pain, but (laughs) you get the idea, right? And, you know, you can talk about how your product or service solves that problem. Yeah, that's really interesting. So especially, I think, you know, you mentioned the conversational aspects. Obviously, this is a conversational marketing podcast, so I'm always going to hone in, hone in on that shout out. But can you talk a little bit more about, you know, you mentioned understanding like the customers that, you know, why they bought from you or who they are, like that's a slightly different approach as far as like where they are in the buyer journey that I've talked to with a lot of people on the podcast. So it's almost like your entry point is not necessarily like, a top of funnel ad, but it's like, hey, you've already bought the product. Let's get you into Messenger or something to like talk to you about why you bought it. And it's almost like market research and consumer insights. Am I hearing that right? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody should be running surveys no matter what, whether it's through mm-hmm. Messenger, whether it's through traditional surveys, whatever it is, however you can get that data. And I think you should be surveying, you know, lots of different sections of the funnel. So people who are abandoning cart, leaving your website, why are they not buying your product? Find out those answers. The people who are checking out your, you know, maybe the first time visitors and things like that, if you get that data, great. I mean, I think you probably can assume some of the stuff if you just watch heat maps and where they're going on your website and whatnot. The abandoned cart is definitely a great one. Your first time customers is definitely a good one. Hey, why did you just buy this product? Right? I'm super curious. What made you almost not pull the trigger? Right? Those are important questions to ask. And then like your dedicated customers too, right? Your the people who have bought the most from you, the people mm-hmm. who have bought from you for years, the people who have spent the most money, like, you know, and you can call those people sometimes too. Like, I'm not telling people to just call people here, but like you can, we've had clients do it, right? Like reach out to someone who just dropped five grand on your website and your average order value is like a hundred bucks and be like, hey, I'm the founder. I just want to say I appreciate your order. Like, I would love to just get a couple questions. For, you know, if you're cool to just answer, like, what made you buy, whatever, blah, 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 blah. You cold call cart abandoners, they're not really going to tell you the truthful answer to why they abandoned cart, right? It's probably financial or something else. But a customer who loves your product is definitely going to be more likely to, to tell you that information. And that's still vital information to then use in your prospecting campaigns and your top mm-hmm. of funnel campaigns, right? To talk about, you know, why this product is so great. I mean, we run testimonial and, and user-generated content pretty much everywhere in the funnel, depending on the type of business and the, you know, the marketing channel we're on. Because even those testimonials at top of funnel can still talk about the product, right? Like right, we have this right. we have this product that it's a bag and you put your vegetables in it and it keeps your vegetables fresh, you know, 14 days longer minimum. Like, I think okay. I have some of those actually. My wife got some. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, that's an easy thing to understand. And so, yeah. it you know, an ad, me telling you that you're still going to be very hesitant to purchase something like that. But if your top of funnel ad is just a bunch of people being like, oh, look at my kale after after two weeks, it's still just as fresh as the day I got it. You know, I bought this for all my friends and my family and they love it, blah, blah, blah. Like, that stuff's definitely going to do really well. And in the conversational component too, like I feel like you could sort of gamify it a little bit more than a survey in a way, right? I think with surveys, it's more mundane and you can usually only ask one or two questions max. But 
you know, in the conversational marketing component, I think you can literally gamify it and you can make it more interactive and you can get more information, I feel like. And you can also use it as a product recommendation tool as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are some of the campaigns that we've had extreme success from where, you know, we're asking them those vital questions. But then at the end, we're saying, hey, here's the perfect product for you. And sort of here's why. And we know Mm -hmm. it because you just answered these questions for us. And it's so much more interactive versus traditional surveys and things like that, right? You know, and I think that those are things that that end up just like performing really well and being able to get more answers than from like the traditional surveys or the traditional website pop-ups kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you touched on a lot of great things there, I think, that are so key to why this space is interesting, right? That idea of, you know, you're really all about zero party data, like getting that data directly from your customers, like what do they want at this given stage? And I think the storytelling element is really interesting too, where, you know, people don't necessarily react to very cold, impersonal, like automated abandoned cart emails or even why did you buy emails? But if you, again, if linking back to the story, if you tell a story, like the founder reaches out and is like, hey, I really, you know, I built this brand for people like you. I really want to know why you bought it. Again, like that story element makes a huge difference to the level of engagement that you get from the community of people like your customers that are buying from you too, right? I think, yeah. I think brands miss that. Like so many brands, like, you know, we'll consult with brands all the time and they want to appear bigger than they are. And I understand that from like a customer service perspective and you want the customer to feel like, you know, they're going to get the attention and the product is as quality as you're saying it is. But Mm -hmm. on the other hand, like I've seen really awesome, you know, customers success wins from just being totally honest that you're a super small team. I mean, my girlfriend runs her own fashion brand and like, you know, she's had customers kind of be like, oh, you know, the shipping's going to take a little long, blah, blah, blah. And then she's just like, hey, I'm so sorry. We're like a three person team. Thanks for bearing with us. I'm the founder, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, that, yeah, like, yeah, no worries. You know, like it could be not a problem whatsoever. And, you know, in telling your story, I mean, I think that's an interesting piece to that actually you're some of the best sales pages you can have is your about page that Mm -hmm. people kind of miss they don't have an about page or they keep it super basic or it's super lame and that's really sometimes can be your best selling tool you know that you can use yeah i mean ultimately in a crowded marketplace people want to buy from the brands that they connect to right and you connect to brands that tell a good story or that you feel some sort of affinity to and I feel like you only feel affinity towards people or brands if you like understand what they stand for and you've had the the opportunity to kind of talk to them too or feel like you've talked to them. You know, yeah. I want to just quickly jump back to one thing you mentioned because that's something that we've seen a lot in this space too is like that kind of product finder journey, the, the quiz with the product recommendation working really well. Can you talk a little bit more to that? Like, have you seen that work across like all industries? Are there some where you see that work particularly well or some types of journeys that you see work particularly well? Yeah, I've seen a lot of them work really, really well. There are some industries that you like have to do it, you know, because you almost need like a bridge. Like we've worked with some industries that you're really not able to advertise on Facebook. Like CBD is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like Feels is a great CBD brand that's like their marketing is on point. And you can look at like they have Jebit landing pages that are very conversational and in a feeling because you're asking questions and they're responding. But 
I mean, you have to keep it simple. You don't want to ask them like 10 questions or anything right. like that. The other thing as well is it's also way more complicated to build. It's like if you've got three questions and three answers, you potentially have 28 outcomes now, um, depending on how you know robust or how you build you know, your bot out. Mm-hmm. But we've seen a lot of success from it. And we call it out like in every instance, right? Like we're saying like, hey, click on this to find out which is perfect for you or which size is great for you. The size one worked for us really great in a couple different weird instances where products were just like, it was sort of unclear. Like we had an electric Mm -hmm. skateboard client who they only have one size now. And there was a time where they had three sizes and it was super confusing. Like, and you know, they had a diagram and it was just like, I don't even understand this, right? And so right. it was like, it was like, hey, what's your snowboard stance? How tall are you? And there was one other question, I forget what it was. And then mm-hmm. it was like, boom, 58 centimeters is yours, right? And then we had a huge conversion, a big increase in conversion rate from adding that. And we mm-hmm. had it right on the product page, right? Like click our sizing bot. You know, and I think another piece of it too is that you should always make yourself available in these too. Like it's okay to call it out that it's a bot. But then always have a way for people to reach you. Because I think that's where a lot of people miss that. They want to try to make this thing take care of everything. And then they don't really make a way to reach out. And then unless you're going to spend $30,000 to have someone build you out, probably more than that these days, but build you out some super robust customer service bot that still breaks. um, You know, just make it easy. Just be like, hey, do you want to talk to a human? Like I can connect you with a human. Um, Yeah. May take us a few hours or two days, but we'll get back to you. It's about managing the expectation, right? Really, like at the start, like, hey, this bot is for sizing or this is what you should expect from this experience. Boom, 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 go through that. You can connect them to maybe even a different type of experience that's still a bot, but you can also give them the option to like, okay, you want to talk to a human, you're always going to have that long tail that you can never automate, right? So it's like, be honest about the interaction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, I've gone through it, you know, multiple times where, you know, I just bought a backpack recently and I was using it for travel and I was like, this thing looks huge. Do I really need the huge one or not? You know, and I asked all these questions and it would have been easy for them to be like, how are you using this? You know, do you want it to go under the chair in the plane or not? (laughs) You know, like all those, like a couple easy questions that then would have, you know, easily helped me make my decision. Um, yeah. And yeah, we've had a bunch of those instances where, yeah, I mean, the sizing one was kind of an easy one, but we've had a lot of product recommendation things too, where, you know, we've asked people like more around their needs or what they're looking for. And those have done really, really well. And I think some of that can come back to some of that survey data too. Like if you find out what people's issues are, you know, and then you can highlight some of those too, right? You can say like, hey, when we, you know, price point's a big thing, offer financing and then call it out that you have financing, right? You can, hey, you can get this as low as 50 bucks a month or whatever. Yeah. Um, you can sprinkle in some of those little, you know, key differentiators, you know, along the way, which can certainly help as well. But, you know, and I think the other thing is you're accumulating data, which is super important, right? You're finding out what people are clicking, right? Mm-hmm. Is everybody buying this one size? Is everybody interested in this product? Does everybody have this one pain point? And you're starting to identify these things. If no one's ever clicking on this one button, delete it. Add a different one. See if there's other problems. You're getting that first party you know, information. And then the other thing is try to collect their, as much information from them as you can too, right? So like someone's getting committed, right? If you think about a breadcrumb form and you know, that's we've talked about in the marketing world for eons, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a multi-step form, right? And I'm committing now 
through this process. And at the end, if you ask me for my email address, I'm like, oh, fine. I've already asked you your three questions. I just want my answer. Here's my email yeah. address. No problem. Um, and you're more likely to get that email address as well, right? And I think in this, you know, it's always been important to build a list, but now more than ever, it's important to build a list. I feel like we say that every year, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, but you should, right? And you should be doing that. And if you're really advanced, you could even have your email marketing segmented based off of the responses that they gave in, you know, conversation or messenger or whatever, right? You can get real advanced with this stuff, but you don't have to make it super advanced. I'm just saying, if you're that nerdy and you have that kind of time and you have that many customers, go for it. It's but, definitely the way to go. Um, yeah. You can even, you know, the future that we see is definitely that you can, you don't need the email list eventually, right? Because you can reach people directly on these channels. So like... Well, that's always kind of, I feel like the the e-commerce marketer's holy grail is like, we got to build up that email list, but like there is the opportunity to actually use this channel to reach people directly and to like also re-engage them directly as well in a way that I think feels very natural, right? Like email is degrading in performance pretty rapidly as far as like all of the things that are happening in this space. And I think, you know, people's attention is on their messaging apps. Like I've for me, I know that I spend way too much time looking at all the messages that are coming in on WhatsApp and, and Messenger and things like that. And my email is a long list of things that I need to get to. And it's not, it doesn't have quite the same attention grabbing aspect for me. But maybe. Yeah. And, and you're lost in the promotions tab and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, right? I mean, and I think that we're finally at a point as well where we don't really need to convince businesses any longer like that it's okay to message people in Messenger. It's okay to message people in SMS. It's okay to message people on WhatsApp, right? I feel like that was an issue that we had. We were very early on doing mm -hmm. chatbots in Messenger and things like that. And every it was like the number one objection we had, right? Well, I wouldn't want a business messaging me on Facebook. I wouldn't want a text message from a business. But I feel like everybody's getting used to it at this point, right? Like they're yeah. getting hit up by brands, you know, and it's just... It's just important to not bother them. Make sure you're adding value. Obviously, make yeah. it easy so that they can opt out. But, you know, I mean, we we had one brand that we built to like a few hundred thousand Messenger subscribers. And literally all it was was a weekly blast for a sale. And it was a different sale, different product promotion. And that's all it was. It was super salesy. And we told people, this is what you're signing up for. We do a huge drop every week, big sale be the first to know about it. And, you know, within an hour, 90% of the orders came in kind of a thing, right? Because yeah. it's like, it's so instant. And we had huge numbers coming from it. And there's a direct ROI from acquiring people onto that list too, right? Because we knew yeah. like, hey, this is what these numbers can produce on a consistent basis. And so, you know, we just ran ads to build that list. And hammered them every week with sales and it worked like it was okay for that product. I'm not encouraging people to do that. Probably doesn't work for every product, but it worked great for that product. <laughs> no, but it totally can. We've had customers that do like sneaker drops, for example, you know, where they have like the hot new thing that comes in that week and people want that, right? They want a channel where they can be the first to know or to feel like they get a personalized offer. And you're right. It's like, it's totally worth you mentioned the ad, like building that audience that you should see that as an investment too, right? Like, yes, you can convert off the original ad, like people might go through the product finder journey and then buy something. But at the same time, you are building this valuable audience that you can segment with all this data that you can kind of re-engage in chat that you can send these drops to, uh, you know, if they've signed up, obviously. And it's, yeah, it's about building that value. I mean, I think you touched a little bit on being very early in the space and, you know, that now 
businesses, the, the idea of messaging people is kind of more commonplace. Can you maybe just quickly summarize what you feel like the state of conversational marketing is today? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, it's, it's sort of like that curve that happens, right? I can't remember the name of the curve, but... The hype, um, yeah, the like hype cycle. Yeah, the yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Because I, you know, we were really early on, like I was like, this is going to be the next huge thing. We became, you know, pretty much one of the top leaders in it. You know, we were doing webinars and I was speaking at every conference talking about it. And I was like, this is going to be amazing, right? Because it's the first party data that you're getting, the segmentation that you just mentioned, right? Which is amazing, right? Good luck segmenting your email list unless you're super advanced. And even that, like how segmented is it really? This mm-hmm. is based off of, you know, RFM stuff and whatever. Yeah, so kind of that happened. So when we had to convince everybody, right? You have to try this. It's amazing. It's 90% open rates, blah, 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 right? <laughs> then it kind of hit a point where, okay, now shiny object syndrome. Now everybody wants in, but they're not willing to stick with it, right? They're not willing to stick with it. They're not willing to put in the, the time and the effort mm-hmm. that it takes to make it successful because it's not like this overnight. This is like anything, right? Like launch email. It's not gonna be successful in the beginning. It takes time. You build a list, you know, nurture that list, take care of that list, all of those things. And that list can print you money. Right. right. So I think it's the same thing. So you get that early, the people that shiny object syndrome think this is just going to be the best thing ever. And then just as quickly as they adopt it, they drop it. Right. And you kind of see that. And like, I feel like it, there's like this ghost town of all the bots that still exist, but are not maintained or <laughs> monitored anymore. You know what I mean? I come across one every now and again, and it's just broken and wonky and like no one pays attention to it anymore, which is bad. Don't do that. Just turn the thing off if you're not going to pay attention to it. Yeah. But now, you know, I think we're at an interesting time where real brands get it. They understand the value of it. They understand how to capitalize on it and utilize on it. If they don't, their partners, like us or something like that, are convincing them of sort of the ways to utilize it, the the opportunities that they can have with it. You know, and I think at this point, a lot of the brands have built up a good size list, right? And are doing segmentation and are, you know, are asking questions and getting vital answers and able to utilize that data. Because, you know, at the end of the day, data is so important. And even if you don't review it all the time, as long as you're accumulating it, you can look at it later, right? But then it just, that's what's going to help you make decisions. That's what's going to help you grow your business. You know, those are the things that are going to allow you to just succeed, right? Like knowing your numbers, paying attention to the data, knowing what's going on with your customers, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I feel like we're at this state now where I feel like we don't have to convince anybody anymore. It's sort of like they either want it and they're willing to kind of put in the effort, you know, they've kind of done their research or whatever, or they're already doing it, but it could just be done so much better, you know, or they're doing a great job. And we're like, this is great. This is just going to help us, you know, that much more. And I think we're all seeing that, right? Like, I could argue back and forth whether the cookie's going to go away or not, or whether that even matters or not, you know, but definitely, you know, we're talking about building the list and the importance of that. and, And it is important. And, you know, having those you know, no matter what, every brand should be omni-channel, no matter what it is, right? And I think that's true, like even with Messenger. And, you know, if you're international, everybody's going to use WhatsApp. If you're in the US, eh, not that many people use WhatsApp. Like it's starting mm-hmm. to get bigger, but it's not as big, right? So, you know, you should be sort of as in as many places as you can. Instagram DMs is an amazing place to be, right? Like, I get responses from big brands in Instagram DMs, you know what I mean? Or even like 
big marketers and things like that. A lot can happen there. Big partnerships and, and opportunities, right? People are paying attention to their Instagram yeah. DMs, right? And so I just feel like you should cast that wide net as well, right? And like you said, emails, you know, always going to get worse and worse. You're always going to get stuck in the promotions tab. So the more places you can be, the more, you know, opportunities you have to market to people. And I, I think that's another thing too, right? Like you can show, like do all of the things and get three, four, five touch points in front of people, right? Black Friday is a great example. You want to run retargeting campaigns on Black Friday week and you, you know, you think you're going to get in front of your entire audience? That's just unrealistic, right? But <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you hit them all up in Instagram, if you hit them all up in WhatsApp, like your competitors are not doing that or may right. not be doing it as well as you. And then that's when you can have the biggest months. You know, you can break last year's record. You can break the COVID, you know, Black Friday years that we've had now and things like that. Because I think that's going to be interesting this year, right? I think we're a lot of brands are going to struggle this year. They're going to want bigger numbers from last year and the year before. And if they're not doing things right, I think it's unreasonable expectations to, you know, to expect. Yeah. Definitely. There's going to be a lot of uh, sad marketers uh, <laughs> come, <laughs> come Black Friday. My next question was going to be kind of like your top three pieces of advice. I think you touched on some of those things already a little bit. You know, you mentioned being like omni-channel, like being where your customers are. And by extension, if you're in messaging channels, kind of being where your competitors aren't and the benefits that that can bring you. But I think, you know, if you have like your top three pieces of advice for other marketers that are just getting started in the conversational space? Like, what would that advice be? Yeah, great question. I think the omni-channel is really important because I think a lot of businesses have been too reliant on Facebook for too long. We've been preaching that for years anyways, but you should be really thinking omni-channel and, and as many places as you can be. I think the storytelling one's probably a big one, right? The brand should really be thinking about, right? Like you should be thinking about your homepage as a storefront Right. When people come into your store, you know, they can see a lot more in a physical store than they can just cruising a homepage. And so you've got to really utilize that place. Like you really got to be careful what you put there and, and make sure, mm-hmm. you know, you're saying the right thing. And, and I think storytelling can do a really great job of that and, and help the brand. And, you know, I think another thing is really paying attention to conversion rate. Like I think a lot of brands aren't really you know, they're not thinking about it. They're not testing enough. I mean, I think the overarching thing is just test, like test stuff, right? I think that's probably the biggest thing, just test. And then when you're done testing, test some more. Then when you're done with those tests, keep testing and never stop, right? And and I think conversion rate's a big part of that. And a lot of brands are not paying too close attention to that. But it's like, if you're at a 1.5 conversion rate and you're obsessing about your ROAS on your campaigns, and then you just get your conversion rate to three, now your ROAS is going to pretty much double on your campaigns, right? And so it's really important. But on the other part of conversion, a lot of brands also will then only focus on the conversion rate. But like, what's add to cart to purchase rate? What's that rate look like? What's visitor to add to cart? What's that percentage look like? What's homepage to product page? What's that rate look like, right? And pay attention to like all of the things in the funnel and look at where you can increase you know, the conversion rate into each step. I think conversational marketing can actually play a role in a lot of those steps, right? You can apply, you know, different things. You can get, if you know someone visited this page and you can retarget them on conversational marketing that way, do that and then get, don't send them back to your homepage, send them to the next step in the funnel, right? Handle the objection and then get them to the next step. But I think that's another really important thing too, because if you do all three of those things really well, 
you'll continue to grow, you'll scale, you'll succeed. If you're paying attention to those three things, you're thinking about the numbers, you're looking at the data, you know, you're trying to figure out what you can improve and all that kind of stuff. And I think the other thing is like give things a chance too, right? Like I keep seeing this like with TikTok or again, shiny object syndrome, right? Where people are like, great, like let's launch TikTok. And then but I'm only getting a 1x ROAS. Turn it off. And it's like, we've only been running for three weeks. Like, yeah. <laughs> settle down, <laughs> you know? And I think that's the same with, you know, if you start testing out Messenger, or start testing out Instagram DMs or something like that, right? Like, don't expect it to just work. If it works right off the bat, ooh, great. Keep going with it. Just build it out further, right? But like, it's, it's not going to work, you know, the first time you try any of that stuff. So that's why like, test, 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 iterate, improve upon, Look at what other people are doing in the marketplace, right? Like, what are your competitors doing? What are brands that are killing it doing? You know, I think a lot of brands will focus on their direct competitors instead of even thinking about like other brands that have nothing to do with them. But what are the unique things that they're doing that are outside of the box marketing techniques that you could still 100% capitalize on and utilize in your business that could just blow you out of the market because maybe your competitors aren't doing that, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one too, where you're like, they're ultimately selling to some of the same people too. So you can learn a lot, by the way, like how they're doing that, the channels that they're operating in, the tactics that they use. I think, you know, the testing one is such a big one. I feel like you mentioned conversion rate too. People, it's always amazes me how people can underestimate the power of just like even the, the tiniest increase in conversion rate and what that can do to the economics of, of their funnel. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, little steps to like the different stages that are so e-com focused, right? The like product page view, the add to cart, the checkout, the actual purchase. Those are all things that, you know, we've tried to adopt that mindset on the conversational side too. It's like, you need to understand drop-off rates at every single step in this conversation. You need to approach this whole thing like a funnel as well. And because you can segment people based on where they've dropped off and then re-engage them. Like you said, they don't, they don't go back to the homepage. They don't go back to the start of the conversation. They go back to like the relevant spot and you give them a reason to interact at that particular step. I think that's very, very powerful advice, obviously for any channel you're operating on, but also in the conversational space as well. I'm wary of time. I also want to understand your vision for the future. You know, like, what do you think five years from now? Like, what's the future of conversational marketing? What does it look like? Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of still look at a lot of it, like all old school marketing techniques, I still feel stay true to today. And I, the way that I like to sort of approach a lot of like email nurture, SMS nurture, et cetera, is sort of, you know, a third of it being nurturing your list, right? Like telling them who you are, telling them more about the brand, telling them more about the education of the product. I think a third of it is just value. Just add value to their lives, right? Like don't pitch the product, don't sell the product, just add value to their lives. I don't care. Recommend another product. It doesn't matter, right? Like tell them how amazing your new water bottle is, you know, that you just discovered that's got this great filter or whatever. It doesn't matter, right? Like just add value to their lives. And then the other third is the salesy stuff, right? Like actually sell to them now. And, you know, I think, we're seeing some of the big brands start to do a lot of this really well. Because at the end of the day, you want people to open the messages, right? You don't want them to ignore them. And so many brands are still just hitting me up in SMS with only sales stuff or only product drops and nothing else. And so then I stop watching. I stop paying attention to them because I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't need a new product from you right now. But just because I bought, but I bought filters from you, 
You know, give me some photography tips. Give me some ideas on how to utilize those filters better. Give me recommendations on, you know, whatever it is, right? And like, then I'm going to continue opening your stuff because now I'm being fed this awesome information. And then when you hit me up with the next set of filters, I'm going to be like, oh, shoot, maybe I need these other set of filters too, right? Because now I know how to use mine so much better. And then you tell me these new ones have these other added benefits. And I'm like, Ooh, all right, I'm going to buy them versus only hit me up with letting me know about these new filters. And I'm not interested anymore, right? And so I'm hoping that that kind of starts to change in the industry. I think it's going to go that way a lot more. Brands are going to get smarter about their marketing. you know. And I think people are going to start utilizing these lists in unique and different ways. I think the segmentation is going to get a lot more interesting over the next few years. I think people are going to actually start to pay attention to the first-party data a lot more. I think third-party data is probably going to start to play a bigger mix as the cookie goes away and different things like that, right? And so actually capitalizing on even third-party data to benefit you and even your first-party data, I think will become really interesting. Yeah. And then, I mean, who knows? Who's the next chat thing around the corner too, right? Like, you know, are we going to be DMing in TikTok or who knows what it is? I don't know. But, (laughs) you know, I think that that stuff will always continue to change. But... Yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting things happening in the space. And as marketers get smarter about how to utilize it and new opportunities and new channels come into the mix, you know, it just makes for good times all around. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, on the, to your omni-channel messaging point too, you know, I think you see like Google seeing what the ecosystem that's developing around conversational, like in messaging apps that, you know, Facebook has and they're bringing out their own, conversational products too. It's like, it's going to be a very interesting time um, for marketers that, that move here too. Um, look, Samir, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think that's all we're going to have time to cover today. But you know, if people want to follow your journey, uh, learn more about what you're doing, where should they go? I'm the only Samir Al-Kamuni in the world. So it's pretty easy to find me. Um, that can't be true. <laughs> yeah, it is true. Um, so, you know, I'm on all the socials. You can hit me up on LinkedIn you know, follow me on Instagram, whatever. I mean, I'm pretty active on on pretty much all of the things. I'm always going to post really cool pictures on Instagram and talk about really great business things on LinkedIn. So I'm utilizing my channels appropriately. But yeah, I mean, my email is just smear at fetchfunnel.com. So anyone can always email me. You know, we love to work with e-com brands. We do a great job, you know, on the conversational marketing point, do killer CRO and, and all sorts of things. So, you know, always looking to work with great brands. Yeah. And I'll, you know, I'll shout out the podcast again to Ecom Growth Leaders. We're having a lot of fun over there. I mean, we had a lot, I feel like we had a lot of fun on this one, Ben, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Yeah. No, thank you, Samir. So everyone heard that the only Samir El Kamuni in the world, you know where to find him now on all, <laughs> on all the channels, uh, marketing appropriately. Just as a reminder as well, if you want to learn more, uh, you know, about this podcast, what we do, you can check us out on LinkedIn uh, at Spectrum or at spectrum.io to learn more about conversational marketing. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Samir, it's been, it's been a really good time. Likewise. Thanks again, Ben. All right. Thank you. Thank you.